Welcome to the New York Mandate podcast, where we take a look at the costs and consequences of New York's COVID-19 vaccine mandates. I'm Amy, and in this series, I'll be talking with people who have been directly affected by mandates about their perspectives and experiences. I'm here today with Marianne Mercoliano, and she was employed by the Department of Education. Uh, She's a teacher until fairly recently. Why don't we begin by you telling your story about what happened there? Okay, why I'm no longer a teacher in New York City, right? Yeah. Yeah. So um, I guess it was around this time last summer. So I'd been a teacher in New York City for about 17 years. Uh, I guess it was around this time last year that um, word was going around from de Blasio that if you were an unvaccinated teacher uh, and you wanted to come back to work in September that you would have to get tested weekly. And um, I wasn't really too thrilled about getting tested weekly, but I said, you know, it's okay, fine. I, I don't really want that thing up my nose, but there's a spit test and there's other things. So that's fine. Planning on going back to work. And I guess around August, the end of August, maybe August 24th, August 25th, de Blasio came out with another announcement that if you are unvaccinated, you had to be vaccinated by September 27th of 2021, which was last September, or you would lose um, your job. And I was just sort of like, "Mm, that sounds like kind of crazy, kind of extreme, a little bit, um, they're not really going to do that. You know, a lot of teachers were talking it you know a lot of teachers had already gotten vaccinated january february march you know they wanted to do it and that's their business for me i had i had um covid last may and um i wouldn't say i was really sick with it but i was kind of sick with it for not seriously sick for like three weeks so i think i had like a pretty good case of it and i felt like it's just too soon to get vaccinated after having it and um I said, you know, we'll just kind of take a wait and see approach with um, with this whole vaccine thing. But as you know, um, wait and see quickly got squashed uh, as an option. And it was either get the vaccine or lose the job. So as the day got closer, September 27th, September 27th, there were a lot of teachers in my school that at that point had not taken the vaccine, did not want to take the vaccine. Uh, people all, you know, upset about it. Uh, Ultimately, at the end of the day, my school has a hundred, about a hundred teachers. I was the only one who did not take the vaccine. Um, I have a good relationship with my principal and my assistant principal, and they were just like, you know, come September 27th, you can't come in the building anymore. I said, that's fine. I'm not going to try. <laughs> and uh, you know, that, that was pretty much it. And uh, I actually did apply for a medical accommodation uh, before September 27th because I had COVID and I was hearing from people that if you have the antibodies or you, you have 90 days to take the vaccine. So I got my antibodies tested in August and they did give me 90 days from that day. So I actually was getting paid until the end of November, even though I, I stopped working on September 27th. So I guess I was on payroll for a little bit extra, extra time. So we had So we found out, so there was a lot of people, um, you know, in my situation, we were in Facebook groups together, we're in all kinds of different things. So people were communicating with each other about the next steps. And uh, we found out uh, from the union that uh, we had to, um, 
decide by October 29th if we wanted to be on leave without pay or if we wanted to take a severance. So again, the severance option was just like our vacation days. It was no big deal. And you, they, they did give you uh, medical insurance for one year. So I knew that I had to work because I needed a salary because I, you know, I don't like to say, but you know, I am alone raising the two kids and I get a little bit of child support, but it's really not enough. So I took the severance because I needed to get another job so that I'd be able to <laughs> exist. <laughs> and, uh, you know, maybe leave without pay would have been a better option, but if you're on leave without pay, you can't work. So that wasn't really a great option for me. I knew that I wasn't going to get um, that the vaccine. And uh, I just went for the severance option. So that's, that's what happened. That's not really my mindset or my thought process, but that's, that's, that's what happened. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, just to understand the, the terms of the leave without pay that you were offered, um, was when you say that you weren't, if you had taken that, you would not have been able to uh, work right? You would have been on leave without pay. Right. Does that mean that um, you couldn't have, you know, looked for another full-time job? Or does that mean that you were not, there was, there was some uh, condition in that agreement that prevented you from working at all? Well, <laughs> like part-time or something? If you worked, then I actually did have a part-time job um, for the past, for eight years, which I kept. So I was still working my part-time job, which is just a weekend job. Uh, no, if you if you work full-time, from what I understand, you you cannot be on leave without pay. You can't work if you're on okay. if you're on a leave without pay. So that that didn't make any sense. A, a lot of people did that and are still on leave without pay. Um, you know, they were hoping things would change and they would be able to get their jobs back. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So. You know, I keep in touch with a lot of people who stayed on leave without pay, but for me, it just didn't seem like, seem like an option. So, so I took the severance so that I got a small payout. It took, um, eight months. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> I still haven't gotten all of it, uh, that severance payment. And, um, again, it was just your vacation days and I was able to work. So I did find another teaching job and uh, I worked in uh, Connecticut, which is where I'm from. I, I was commuting um, from Connecticut to the Bronx for all these years. And I did get a job working in Connecticut and I worked there until pretty much the end of the year. So that's, that's mm -hmm. where that is. Mm -hmm. um, so it took eight months to receive any kind of payment from, from the city. It, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I got it at the end of March and we had, when was that? October yeah, seven, eight months. I, actually, to this day, I still haven't received all of it. I got a partial payment about seven months later. So, Right. Okay. What, what were you teaching? So I was teaching uh, third grade. And, uh, yeah. And, uh, you know, I started the school year in September. It was September 13th. We went back. I met all my cute little students for the year and didn't tell them anything. And just on September 27th, I, I didn't show up. Which is what I was told to do. So, so you just you spent a few weeks with them and then you were gone. Yeah. Do, yeah, do I don't you know, know what they told them. You know, were those were those students new to you, or had you had any of them the year? Well, it was a, it was a, a new year. Couple yeah. of them, you know. I mean, I had been in the school for a long time. I knew a lot of people in the community, so I've had a few brothers and sisters and parents who knew me. Mm -hmm. So, 
Yeah. Did you hear at all how that was presented to the kids? No, actually, you know, I didn't. I should have asked somebody, but I, no, I, I never found out. I didn't really, um, it, it just was a little awkward afterwards, like talking to um, people in the school. They, like, I was the only person who turned out who didn't get the vaccine. Um, a lot of people thought I was crazy <laughs> and things like that. So I didn't keep in touch with anybody for a while. And I started to talk to some people again. You know, it's, it's a year later. But I'm very, uh, I'm, I'm very uh, glad I didn't get the vaccine. Why? <laughs> well, like I said, you know, it just seemed when, when it first came out um, in January, it's like, mm, you know, I'm not big on vaccines. I mean, I've, I've done the childhood ones. I don't get the flu vaccine. You know, I work with all these kids for all these years. And I guess that's why I never get sick. I have a pretty good immune system. Uh so this just seemed like I said, you know, let me just wait and see how this goes. And again, that quickly got squashed um, as an option. But I started to see that the the push to get this vaccine was like very, very aggressive. And it, it wasn't sounding like it was coming from people who were looking out for me. So, um, you know, that, that streak, there's this streak in me, I guess you could say that does not that the streak is not to uh, comply with nonsense, you know, and a lot of this didn't make sense to me. Um, just the very aggressive push of it, it's sort of almost like I felt threatened in a way. And, um, you know, I listened to my instincts, I prayed, um, I listened to God, and um, I had a dream as crazy as it sounds. And I knew that if I had gotten the vaccine, it would have not been good for me. Uh, and I, I told my kids there wasn't really a moment where I hesitated, you know, when de Blasio came out at the end of August and it's like, if you don't get the vaccine, you're losing your job. I said to myself, hmm, they're not going to make me do something I'm not comfortable with. I'm not doing it. And I told my kids, I said, you know, this is the situation. And my kids are teenagers. I said, if we have to live in one room and I have to work as a waitress, that's what we're going to do because we're not going to do this. And, you know, they agreed and they were fine with it. And even my, my son was going into high school. He was going to be a freshman. And uh, there was even talk of where we live in uh, New Canaan, Connecticut, or used to live. I moved since then. Um, there was talk of he might need the vaccine to play football. And I said, you know, what do you want to do if, if it turns out that you need the vaccine to play football? And he said, well, he goes, mom, he goes, if you can lose your job over it, I can skip a season of football. And, you know, football is like the most important thing to him. So my kids were totally on board, I guess you could say, with my decision and with everything. As it turns out, um, you know, I didn't have, we didn't have to move into one room and I didn't have to, nothing wrong with being a waitress. It's just a job that there's a lot of turnover and it's easy to find a, a waitressing job because they're always in demand. So that was my plan. You know, if worst comes to worst, we're, we're going to sleep on the floor or on mattresses and, and I'm going to waitress. And of course, it didn't come to that. I ended up getting a job in Connecticut uh, where I did have to be tested every week. But that was in my mind, that wasn't like my hill to die on. Some people are like, well, you're still complying if you're testing every week. I said, I don't see that as invasive as as the vaccine. So I was OK with that personally. And I there are I know some people who and I respect them they they quit their jobs over the testing option i didn't feel that strongly about that mm -hmm. so but i got a lot of uh, a lot of negativity from people which i'm surprised about like even family members and teachers i work with saying things like oh it must be nice to not need your job it must be nice to be able to quit and i'm thinking who said i didn't need my job who said i oh it must be nice to not need your salary who said i didn't need my salary i just finished saying 
I'm about to sleep on the floor because I don't want to get the vaccine. You know, I need it. But, um, you know, that's how it went. And I realized that I'm a little different um, for better or for worse um, than most people, I guess you could say. What do you think that's about? Why, what makes you? You know, I, I, I think, I mean, you know, I'm not trying. I think I have a lot of faith um, in, in, in the best thing happening. I trust my instincts. I, I got had a very, you know, it's going to sound crazy, but I had a very clear dream that was telling me not to get, get the vaccine. And, and like I had said, like I explained, you know, this whole aggressive push it, in, and threatening and, and Biden telling us to get vaccinated and de Blasio saying, oh, they're going to get vaccinated if it means their job. No, they're no, I'm not. You know, um, so I guess part of it is it's got to be more than just me being um, <laughs> rebellious. There's something just felt really wrong. Uh, it, it was, you know, wrong to me about the whole situation. And like I said, I, I am glad to this day, and we've had to make a lot of changes in our life, and we've had to do a lot of things. But I have, I, I have faith that maybe I was led in the right direction, and this was the right thing for me. It's, it's just completely trusting yourself, trusting your instincts, and knowing yourself and what's, what's best for you. And I guess having confidence that no matter what happens, you will survive. You know, I feel sorry for these people who, you know, it, a lot of if you got the vaccine in like January, February, then you wanted to get it. But if you got it last September or last October, you were forced. And I wasn't one of those people. Um, a lot of people got funny with me and they said things like, oh, what do you think you're going to be able to not get the vaccine? And I said, the only way I'm going to is if somebody breaks down my door and shoves the needle in my arm. I said, and if that happens, you know, somebody's going to go down with me. And if that does happen, we're in a really bad situation, all of us. So yeah, that's pretty much it. You didn't, um, submit any kind of application for a religious exemption. I did. So after my oh, medical did. exemption, yeah, I did. I submitted a religious exemption. I had a letter from my pastor uh, because I was, you know, involved in the church in my town. And no, it wasn't. No, they just denied it. Okay. Well, um, what in what way is that important for you, the religious aspect of it? That's important to me a lot. I mean, I'm pro-life and I don't like the fact that a lot of these vaccines have baby parts or either that or they were tested on 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 fetuses. And yeah, I mean, no, that is that is a big part of it for me as well. Mm -hmm. Did is there a distinction, though, that you're making between this vaccine and other vaccines in the past? Um, you probably at your your kids, probably if they were in school, they probably got vaccinated at some point. Um, well, like, what was it about this vaccine that made you have? There's not much of a distinction. There's not much of a distinction for me. It's, um, you know, childhood vaccines. Uh, my kids got most of them, but they, they did get an exemption from certain vaccines. And you were always able to file a religious exemption, which I did have on file for them. Uh, but they did get, you know, the childhood vaccines. Uh, no, I just, I never got the flu shot. I never wanted the flu shot. I mean, can't really compare that HPV shot. They're trying to get everyone. I, I don't see a need for all these vaccines, but I guess what was different about this, it wasn't me that was different. It was the aggressiveness of the pushing of this vaccine. So I wasn't the one who was different. Uh, perhaps their tactic of uh, trying to force it on people, it worked on a lot of people, but it turned me off. Yeah, I would, I, I, you know, that, that made me a little more skeptical. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
did you um, try to work with your union or um, have any kind of advocacy for your position before you um, no, decided? I think the union supported the, the mandates, I think. You know, that's the way it seemed. They, they, they were, I think initially they were fighting a, a little bit for some medical exemptions, not even religious, but they, you know, I think their take was something along the lines of most of the members want the mandate. So they, they were kind of going with that. Mm -hmm. So you just didn't feel uh, support for your position there. You didn't really. No, I was, it was definitely a very minority position at the end of the day. Yeah. You think uh, among teachers in general, New York City teachers? Well, I can tell you from my school, just uh, we have about 100 teachers and I knew of about 20 teachers that did not want to get the vaccine, uh, but got it because they didn't want to lose their job. And, you know, as much as I as I already indicated, I, I don't have a lot of money. You know, I just I just have a confidence, faith that I will be able to survive. So this whole holding a job over my head really wasn't going to work with me because I'll always find a way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, do you want to tell us about the way you're finding now? <laughs> where, where, yeah, where I mean, you? <laughs> things happen like, you know, in a, in a good way, I think, you know, um, both my parents passed away from cancer, not, not COVID, <laughs> within the last uh, year and a half. And had they been alive, either one of them, maybe I wouldn't have decided to do what I did, but um, I decided to move down south. And I'm literally just getting settled in now to South Carolina. My daughter graduated high school in Connecticut, so I wanted to wait for her to finish. Uh, she was told you can apply to college in these states. <laughs> she applied because I didn't want her to get the vaccine and all the colleges up north, you know, have it. So she applied to colleges um, wherever, down south. We ultimately decided on her going to college in South Carolina. So I decided that I'll move to South Carolina with my son. He was totally on board with it. He's going to be a sophomore now in high school. All he wants to do is play football. He's already been playing, practicing with the team. We've only been here a week. So we decided to come to South Carolina and it's okay. I mean, like I said, between both my parents passing away, between losing the job in New York City, which I was making a good salary, really good salary, you know, for a teacher. Um, and my daughter going to college down here, it just seemed like, you know, it's a good time to move. The politics up north are not really in alignment with, with mine anymore. And I don't really know how it is down here. I think it's a little bit better, but I've only been here a week. I couldn't tell you. But I think it's exciting to have another chapter supposedly, uh, that's actually brings to mind a lot of my friends, they didn't want to, you know, not get the vaccine because they were worried about not getting their pensions. And I said, you know, if they can just tell you on a whim, like they did to me, like, oh, if you don't do what we say, you're going to lose your job. What makes you think your pensions are safe? Like, how do you know that? Like any, how do you trust anything? Uh, supposedly I am supposed to, I, I will be getting a small pension when I turn 55, which is a, a couple of years away. And, uh, you know, I figured that supplemented with my, I am teaching. I started teaching job down here on August 8th. That supplemented with my teaching job down here, saving money on the in-state tuition because I'm paying for the college tuition myself, no help, <laughs> um, that this made sense to move down here. Mm -hmm. A new chapter. So the, the choice of South Carolina was kind of following on your daughter's choice of school. Well, she had certain states. She was uh, 
could apply to. So it could have been South Carolina, it could have been Florida, it could have been Tennessee. I was leaning towards South Carolina because I'm kind of familiar with some of the towns down here. So I'm Mm -hmm. glad it ended up this way. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry about your parents. Yeah, thank you. It was hard. It's still hard. Yeah. But had my mother still been alive uh, I, and she was living in uh, in New York, I probably wouldn't, about a half hour from where I lived in Connecticut, I probably wouldn't have moved. So that's the way it all worked out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You said that um, your politics didn't align with what's happening up here anymore. Is that because your politics have changed over the years or because things have changed here over the years? No, I, I haven't changed. You know, I haven't changed since since I since I was born. Uh, the rest of the country is 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 changing. Um, me personally, I have not changed. No. So I just uh, there seems to be a lot of mandates, a lot of restrictions and uh, we'll see if it's any different down here. I hear that it is. I'm hoping that it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'm, there are a bunch of people moving down there yeah. for, the, for the same reason to South Carolina, Florida, Tennessee. I've talked to people who moved to all of these places. Right. Um, and, you know, for some of them, they have more conservative politics and kind of felt that, you know, for a long time, maybe they were not on the same page with the liberal politics of New York City, but it was more live and let live there there was there was more breathing room <laughs> for people who had different political views is and this was just kind of like the last straw um in a in 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 a political shift that's been happening here that's made it more and more difficult for more conservative people to live here do you do you see it that way uh the way i see it is i you know i loved working in new york city and it couldn't really be any more liberal than that Um, And I mean, everybody pretty much knew that I was Republican, you know, but I I get that the teachers and the administrators and the union, and I do believe the rank and file people like me, they do want the best for the kids. We just kind of have a little bit of a different take on how to achieve that result. So I could, I get along with everybody just fine. Uh, And I understand, and I understand and believe that 95% of the people in the education field are concerned about the kids and and doing what they think is right for the kids, you know, and uh, most of the teachers do care and the administrators and everybody else. So it was uh, not that, I guess it was just the too many rules and and too many mandates. Yeah. And it, it directly affected my life in this way. I mean, I literally couldn't really even make a living anymore, almost in New York City. Mm hmm. Yeah, I couldn't afford to live there. I couldn't get another job where I was making as much money and be able to pay the bills up there. So it was almost like I was pushed out a little bit, which is maybe what uh, a lot of people probably want. Maybe they want to push out the people like me. Well, they got it. Happy to go. Right. Um, okay, so you've been there for a very short period of time, so it's probably too yeah. early to ask, like, how's it going? <laughs> but uh... You know, it's, it's lonely. You know, I don't know anybody. Uh yeah. But it's exciting at the same time. You always lived in Connecticut? No, I, I grew up in New Rochelle in New York. Okay. And I, I, I moved to Connecticut like 18 years ago. Okay. So for people who don't know, New Rochelle is kind of in, right next to New York City. Just yeah, above it's like, the Bronx. Correct. Yeah. yeah. 
So you were you were always kind of living in that area, New Rochelle, Connecticut, and then working in the in schools in the Bronx. Correct. Yeah. Why did you Why did you go into teaching initially? Uh, that's a long story. I I when I first graduated, I went to NYU and I graduated and I got a job literally working on Wall Street, and I stayed in that job for a while. And then after September 11th and a couple of other personal things that happened, I started to think about you know, what's really important to me is, is making money important or is having a job where I get some satisfaction out of it important. And I was maybe 31 years old at the, t at the time. My father is a principal. My mother was a teacher. Two of my sisters were teachers. And I kind of always wanted to be a teacher. But then I, I started working on Wall Street and making decent money. And after September 11th, because uh, I was downtown when that happened, I sort of felt like, mm, you know, just made me reassess my life a little bit. And I decided that I, I quit my Wall Street job and uh, I had enough money to be financially solvent for a year. I went back to school. I got the master's degree. I was living in a two family house that I owned. I was renting out part of it. So anyway, I went back to school. I got my master's and my, both my sisters who were teachers, I got a job in the school where they were working. And that the rest is history. That was in the Bronx, that school. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you were you always teaching uh, younger kids in elementary school? That I was teaching sixth grade. Yeah. That okay. was a middle school. The first okay. teaching job. Right. Um, you stuck with it for a really long time. Yeah. <laughs> so well, it was I the right it was the right choice. When my kids were born. I took off two years when my kids were born. Uh, I was married at the time and then I went back to it. Yep. Uh huh. Uh-huh. So why? What, what did you enjoy about it? About teaching? Yeah. You know, it, it, in the beginning, I liked um, the fact that I could, I didn't really have, I don't want to say I didn't have a boss. We certainly had a boss, but I could kind of control a lot of things, kind of had freedom. It, it's changed, by the way, since 20 years ago, but I had the freedom to kind of be creative and, and put together units. And I enjoyed working with the kids. You know, they, they were cute. They, they would come up to you when you pick them up from lunch and you'd be surrounded by like, you know, 25 little faces smiling up at you. And <laughs> yeah, it was just a cute job. And um, it really was a job where you felt like um, you, you were doing something important. Whereas like analyzing stocks and, you know, just didn't feel as important. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. When you say it's changed over the years, how, how did it, how did you see it? Well, change? now it's become the, the curriculum is more like, I don't know what you'd say, like standard, you have to follow, you don't have the freedom to kind of be creative, to teach what you want to teach. Uh, everything is like a program and a script. Yeah. Mm. Everything is uniform. Or what do they call it? Um, I forget the word they use. It's been a while. Uh, but yeah, everything was, um, became very much the same where did you see that coming from well ever since like common core and um just teaching now to the test you're teaching the kids a lot of just test preparation things like that mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah is that something that you um when you switched to connecticut when you were working in connecticut well you... no Oh, yeah, yeah, it's the same in Connecticut, yeah. Same thing. Yeah. So, so you think it's not just New York City that is shifting in that way, or? Well, what I can tell you is New York City 
kind of does everything first. And I even noticed with my, my kids in school in Connecticut and then like Connecticut's like a couple of years behind New York City. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I can kind of predict like what's going to happen in Connecticut schools based on what New York City did. Right. <laughs> like right. the social emotional learning, for example, they didn't hear about that in Connecticut until we were already doing it in New York City for a few years. Okay. Yeah. So you think it's kind of a national movement toward more standardization and kind of top-down directives, um, but yeah. it rolled out first in, in New York City or it takes hold first in New York City? I don't know. Maybe New York City implements things first. All I can tell you is a lot of what we did in New York didn't come to Connecticut for a few years. Mm-hmm. Right. Like just things like the terminology, like we would use, we would do restorative circles in New York City, where we would kind of just sit around with the kids in a circle every morning and ask them how they're feeling. And then all of a sudden they start doing this in Connecticut just a couple of years later, for, for example. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When it came to the kind of um, public health arguments that they were making about schools, um, in terms of you know keeping children safe by having everyone vaccinated, um, trying to keep the I mean I think that was the main argument right for people being vaccinated in schools, not just the teachers but and anyone who worked in a school that's the anyone who works in a DOE building has to be vaccinated now, and I think yeah. that that was the main rationale for it right that it would I... keep it from spreading and keep the children safe. None of it ever made sense to me. I mean, so I lost my job, which I'm not bitter about. It's all fine. Uh, but because, so that I couldn't spread COVID, but the kids, none of the kids were vaccinated. They were all eight years old. How do you stop them from spreading it to each other? It just didn't make sense. Did you, you know, did this you, is last year. The kids yeah. were not vaccinated. They're still not vaccinated. Um, so I'm, I was the threat. Meanwhile, funny thing is, you know, like I said, I had COVID in May of 2021. This past school year that just ended, I had to get tested for COVID every single week. Never had it. Everybody else had it twice, three times. I never had it. The natural immunity, I guess. <laughs> I guess it works because I was around so many people that had it. My entire classroom is getting it. And I'm literally the only person not getting it. And I'm the only person not vaccinated. So I can tell you with 100% certainty that I did not contribute to spreading COVID since I got over it because I was tested literally every week and never had it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's, and that's what happens maybe if you just let nature, I don't know, you know, but it seems that was always what was the logical thing. Just once you have a type of virus like this, you can't get it again. Seemed like a lot of things went against, you know, the norm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. But you didn't see, uh, like, during the height of the pandemic, you didn't see COVID affecting your school to any great extent? Only in that they were closing the school a lot and doing remote when kids, when there were cases. It was just a lot of chaos. I mean, I guess I, I'll try to give people the benefit of the doubt that they thought they were doing the right thing. But, you know, when we look back, who knows? Are we ever going to be able to say what they did was the right thing or not? Mm-hmm. You were you were doing remote teaching yourself during that. I was period of- actually because I got a medical exemption because I have asthma, which I was surprised. Everyone was applying for medical exemptions. I was like, all right, I'll apply for a medical exemption. And I got a note from my doctor. She has asthma, and they're like, you can work remote. This was last year. I was like, okay, no wait. This was the year before. This was 
20 to 21. Right. Yeah. So you're talking about you're talking about a medical exemption to being in, not to the mandate, but to right. before that to being in the classroom. Right. But, you know, as it turns out, 75 percent of my school was remote, the students, because the parents didn't want to send them. So the kids weren't in school anyway. So I didn't feel so bad about it because the teachers that were in the building had like three students. Right. So you everybody else was remote. All the other kids were remote. So yeah. I was remote. They were remote. They weren't in the building anyway. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that was their parents' choice. So, so your, did your school stay open with a, a, an option the entire time? Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I, I know that it varied by school in New York City. I think most schools did it that way. I thought. I think some shut down entirely for some period of time um, and had remote only. Well, I think we had a period of time, like for a month, where we were completely shut down as well. Right. Yeah. Um, So so you were, but you got this medical exemption because you were initially, like in, in the beginning of the pandemic, you were concerned about about the virus. No, I, I, you know, I, I, I never really was concerned about the virus. I, I, every, I just, I applied for the exemption um, and I got it. I just, I was a little surprised that I got it. I do have asthma. I do have like some scarring on my lungs. So I guess supposedly I was high risk for COVID, but I mean, why, why did you apply for the exemption if you weren't really too concerned about it? Most, most people were applying for an exemption. I, I, uh, and there was a need for, for, I was, I mean, I was probably going to work from home anyway, because like I said, pretty much 75% of the students were working from home. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So how was that then working with kids that age from home? (laughs) Not, I mean, I think that if they, it was hard to assess them like to see how they were catching on and how they were learning but the kids who did show up every day and you know I became very very computer literate I did all kinds of fancy things and interactive things and I was online with them for six hours a day you know like we were supposed to be and I was always available to the parents if the kids put in the effort which I would say maybe 12 out of the 28 kids I had did then I think they got something out of it. But unfortunately for a lot of kids, it was a lost school year. Hmm. Yeah. Why, why do you think that like, were there things that you saw at the end of the year or the beginning of the next year that made you think that? Well, I didn't go back the next year, but we just didn't really have a way to properly assess the kids. You could tell that, um, you know, some kids were not, paying attention they were probably you could see their face but they were doing a video game um it was hard to control the kids it was hard to look over their shoulder and see what they were doing so do i have real proof that they didn't learn uh no because we didn't really have great ways to assess them but i don't think they got i don't think majority of them got much out of it i mean now there it possibly like i said if you some of the parents were very involved and they made sure that their kids were there. Some of the parents work and I get it, you know, it's hard, but um, 
yeah, definitely wasn't, especially for young kids, might be a little different for high school kids, but for young kids, the remote is, was not good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So, I mean, it's one year and hopefully that's behind us. There is um, an ongoing discussion about remote education here. I think that's a program that, for example, Adams wants to continue with having a remote option for kids. What do you think about that as an option? I mean, like I just said, I don't think the younger kids especially are going to be getting much out of it. You know, potentially they can. It's just you've got to have a certain kid who's really, really going to be focused and you have to have a certain parent and I'm not judging the parents because I, I understand they, they've got other things to do and jobs. So if the parent is involved and the kid is fully involved, then it could be okay, but that's not the majority. Mm-hmm. You know, the parents have other kids in the house. It's difficult for them to sit there with, with maybe they have more than one kid. So it's hard. I don't, the only way I could think that they would want to do remote is they just don't want the enrollment numbers going down. So they're offering that to parents. Yeah. And that's, that has happened. Right. Yeah. In New York city public schools, the enrollment numbers have gone down. Um, That's, there's a big dispute with funding right now because of that, because the funding yeah. is, is attached to enrollment and remote enrollment has dropped. So they're cutting the funding. Um, yeah. And, and I think there's also a little bit of a, a movement toward homeschooling here. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how much of that you've seen people. <laughs> well, a lot into. of the parents were practically homeschooling. You know, we had parents that sat next to the kid. I had a parents who sat next to the kids all day but you know that's hard on parents so if they were able to do that may as well homeschool (laughs) you know they just need the curriculum but you know of course a lot of the parents um in my school anyway a lot of the parents don't fully know the language that well so it's it's hard for them also so right yeah yeah so um just to I, I just wanted to go back to some of the practical aspects of this for you. So you um you what are all the things that you lost in taking the severance? I mean you uh, I mean aside from your income. <laughs> um you you lost some of your pension, right? Not a, well, I mean, look, I so supposedly I will instead of getting 20 years but you get a nice little bump i'm getting 18 years when i retire mm-hmm. so yeah i mean i guess i i lost that but i don't look at it as a loss uh, and then you lost your you know the other benefits would have been your medical and and um I don't well know. so we did get to keep our medical for a year so i still have the medical until september 1st and i started right. a job okay in August. So I'll have medical from that job. So that kind of worked out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Were there, were there any other aspects of this? I mean, I guess the, the, um, the important thing for you is that you were able to find employment during that year. Correct. During look, I mean, in, in Connecticut, so you weren't completely high and dry. <laughs> no, but I would never be high and dry. Like I said, the worst case scenario would have been us sleeping on mattresses on the floor in a one bedroom apartment and me working as a, as a waitress. And I'm yeah. not trashing waitresses. You know, I'm only using that one because it's a, an occupation that it's 
pretty easy to get in and out of. So there's no losing. What's that? Have you worked as a waitress? Yes, I did for many years. <laughs> so yeah, it's hard so work. <laughs> yeah. Yes. It is. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, well, you tell me, what have I not asked you about that you, that you think is important to say about this whole situation and how it's affected your life? You know, it's just, uh, for me, like I said, it made me realize that a lot of people are, are pretty easy to, like de Blasio said, you take away their job, you can, I'm paraphrasing him, you can almost get people to do whatever you want them to do. And the fact that more people didn't um, stand up and, and uh, the fact that people were so scared, uh, it's, it was a little disappointing, I guess. And, and again, as I, I, I just said before, it made me realize that I am very different from a lot of people. I'm, and I'm really happy to be the way that I am. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, people were really scared, right? I guess. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like you were asking before about the medical exemption. Why did I do it? Why did I do it? I mean, yeah. literally everyone applied for a medical exemption that I know. I, I can't help that I got approved because I have asthma. Okay. You know, and I talked to my principal. I said, look, if you want me to come in, I will. And he says, well, none of the kids are coming in. So that was that. Right. So it was just kind of, you know, you're going to either be remote. Yeah sitting over here in the Bronx, you can right. be remote in, the, in Connecticut. Were there people going, who, who were teachers going into the school and working remotely with kids who were not in the school? Mm, no. Some were doing like a hybrid where they had a couple of kids in front of them and a couple of kids remote when, when those kids didn't show up. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Not in my school that I'm aware of. No, I might be wrong, but I don't, I don't think so. Mm-hmm. So, um, so it's maybe confirmed your, uh, understanding of yourself, <laughs> you know, you don't, you don't really know, uh, how you're going to respond to a, a crisis or a difficult situation until it's, you're faced with it. Right. I mean, um, I always knew how I would respond. I always knew that, you know, I'm again, Maybe I'm secretly like this difficult, rebellious person, but I just felt like, no, I'm not doing it. You know, uh, you, you know, all they could do is kill me. You know, I'm not going to be bullied around like this. And I was a little disappointed that seeing so many people be so easily, look, I, 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 it's hard for me to say I feel sorry for people who but I do feel sorry for them but again this is all I can say is I'm different because if someone says well I, I had to take the vaccine because I had to support my family you know I'm sort of like I think that's minimizing me because I was faithful and I made a different choice but you know um I can't they have to do what what their heart and their instincts and their gut tells them to do. So if they're being led to get the vaccine to support, then I'm not going to judge them. All I can tell you is I wasn't led that way. Mm-hmm. So I'm different is, is what I'm trying to say. 
you know? Where, where do you think this leaves us? <clears throat> where do you think this leaves us as, um, you know, in New York, uh, in the country where we have this division between people who feel the way you feel and people who are very much on board with the, um, you know, safety protocols, regardless of how, um, how much they may require of the individual. I mean, I, I've always, I don't judge anybody. I've always been the live and let live. And I think at this point now, a year later, we can clearly see that, you know, who's getting COVID it's the vaccinated people. Okay. Get gay. It's both, but it's the vaccine doesn't seem to have worked. So, I mean, if, if we can't admit that, then, you know, whatever they, they how long can they keep blaming this on the unvaccinated people uh that it's going on there's a lot of information out there that suggests that the reason why all these variants are coming about is because of the vaccinated people but look again i'm not i'm i'm respecting whatever people want to do just people are not i don't know if people were brainwashed i mean just into being so scared and and so wanting to point the finger at someone and so anxious to get back to a normal life. And it's like the minute you allowed yourself to be locked in your house for more than two weeks, you kind of gave that up. Uh, you know, there's no going back, but people believed it. All of it seemed wrong to me from the very beginning. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I proved to be right because look where we are. I mean, I hope that uh, the people who are making these decisions have the best interest of humanity at heart but it's very difficult to believe that I'm, I'm hoping that 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 is the case what are the other possibilities <laughs> who knows i mean you know just to who knows to get to control people there's a lot of different theories out there uh don't know uh they go from very things either the people that are making the decisions are not that bright or they're not that nice so i'm not sure which one it is either yeah. one is not a good scenario <laughs> right yeah yeah well is there is there anything about this that i have asked you about that you want to bring up no i think that um you know i can't i don't know i've listened to a couple of your podcasts i can't get angry about this. I just can't get bitter about it. That's just not the way I live my life. I can't sit here and, and be angry that I lost my job because I have to believe that I followed the right path for me. And uh, it's okay. So I'm not going to be angry. I'm not going to be bitter. Uh, I, there's new opportunities. There's new things to explore and things to do. And, you know, somebody told me once that the word crisis, if you translate it and from Chinese or something, it means opportunity, right? So I guess I just try to view every crisis that happens to me as, as an opportunity. So I'm not angry about anything. I'm not bitter about anything. I'm still actually, quite frankly, if, if anything, I'm in a little bit of disbelief that how could it be that people let this get to this point. Uh, you know, the people that are out there saying, oh, you have to get the vaccine because you have to protect me and my grandmother and, and everybody else. Uh, I hope that they're realizing that now 
the unvaccinated people are not the danger to them or their grandmother, you know, uh, which we knew, which I knew from the get go. Like I said, I was tested every week for like a full year. I didn't have it. You know, I didn't miss a week of testing and there's no way I caught COVID in between my weekly tests. So I didn't contribute to giving it to anybody. Right. I never got it. Right. Right. Unless those tests were wrong, which is possible. So, you know, it's just, it's just disappointing. And, and, and to, just to visualize some of these angry politicians from the president all the way on down to the mayor uh, yelling about how the unvaccinated are, are selfish and no, actually I'm the one who's not selfish because I, I think you're selfish if you say you have to get the vaccine because you want to go on a plane or you have to get the vaccine because you want to go to a Foo Foo Fighters concert or you have to get the vaccine to, to keep your job. You know, I said no to all of that, but yet I'm the one who's selfish. Now, getting the vaccine so that you can go on a plane is a little bit more selfish than what I did. Yeah. So um, do, do you have like a... Uh a thought about kind of a general principle of where you, how you find a balance between, um, you know, public safety and what people owe to society in order to keep everyone safe and the rights of individuals, you know, like some people, some people who are advocates of uh, vaccines and vaccine mandates will say, oh, but you know, it's not true that we have, um, you know, the right to do whatever we want. We have seat belts and we have, you know, you can't smoke in restaurants and we do all of these things to keep other people safe in, in society. Like, do you, where do you think that line should be drawn between individual rights and freedoms and public safety? Well, I don't think a seatbelt, me wearing a seatbelt keeps anybody safe but me. So uh, the seatbelt laws, you know, I, I, I think that that should just be a personal choice. I always wear a seatbelt, but you know, but let people do what they want to do. I'm pretty much libertarian in, in when it comes to most of those kinds of things. Um, you know, I don't think um, there really wasn't any like evidence to say in this case, there, there's no years of, of data or research or observations to for anybody to know the difference. So all of a sudden a virus comes out that you've got people paranoid that if somebody walks by them on the street and breathes on them, they're going to get sick and die. I mean, that was actually very, very bad to get people to live in like such a state of fear like that when it's totally not accurate. Um, was it being super cautious if you want to give people the benefit of the doubt okay but at this point we know that a lot of this was overreacting you know at this point we know that the vaccines don't work or maybe they work for a short short amount of time i don't know you know uh as far as you know freedom it is it is tough but i think in any kind of free society uh there is going to be some risk involved and i think that the alternative to eliminate all risk, you're eliminating a lot of freedom. And I think that's a far worse alternative. Mm -hmm. I don't think there's any way to eliminate all risk. Right. Yeah. Um, so you've landed on your feet. You're okay yeah. with the, the way things are for you. Um, one thing that's notable about that is that there's another state for you to go to. 
you're not you don't yeah. have to stay in in New York City. In New York City, the mandates worker mandates cover just about everybody who's employed, right? There, it's not enforced with everyone. It's enforced with city workers, um, but there is a private employer mandate. So anyone living here is into this regulation uh, has to be vaccinated to be employed. So what if? But but you can you can move, okay. But what if you couldn't move? That's a problem. <laughs> How would... then, then this is this is this is a these are dangerous times that we're living in. I mean, for sure. The this is uh. This is, this is the danger. You know, this is uh how you have to understand. Like in the history of um, planet Earth, most people that have lived over the tens of thousands of years however long we've lived on the planet. Most people that lived on planet Earth have lived under governments that were totalitarian and authoritarian and America was different. And it's going to be a sad day where we no longer have a place where we can be free. And I really hope for our children and grandchildren that there is going to be a place for them to go. So it's frightening to say, what if there was no place to move? Well, then we're going to be living under complete control of the government. And to me, that is that is why, that is what made America different and exceptional. Um, I think that might even be the definition of America and exceptionalism, actually. Um, it's what made us different. So I'm surprised. Well, again, this a lot of this has to do with you know, illegal immigration, which I don't have a problem with people coming to this country. But when people come to this country and they don't learn what it means to be American, uh, they don't know, you know, we don't teach the kids history in school anymore. So people don't really understand what's so special about this country. And here we are. The Electoral College, you saw what happened with the last election. I mean, um, but, but, well, when, when Trump did win, uh, you know, people don't understand the very simple concept of you can't let New York City and Los Angeles County, California pick the president because you've got a whole country in the middle and people don't understand really, really simple American concepts. And uh, it's sad. And we are in danger of, of losing the um, America. So yeah, so the day may come where I may not have a place to go. My kids may not have a place to go. Who knows, you know, uh, people get angry enough and there's some type of whatever, or we just all live uh, with basically like the book 1984 with a boot on our neck. And that's where we could be headed. So I don't, you know, COVID, whether it was uh, believed uh, if it, with best intentions and our safety, at the end of the day, we lost a lot. And I don't know, you know, I don't know uh, if it, no one will be able to tell me conclusively if this was, if the right choices were made, did we really save lives? I don't know. A lot of it just didn't seem, didn't seem, didn't seem right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a lot of the, um, you know, people who are working on legal cases here, I don't know how much you've been following those, the lawsuits. Yeah, some of them. Yeah. Um, you know, we'll point out that they they will set a precedent for other places across the country. 
that what what's decided here in terms of whether mandates will be allowed to stand um, will will affect everywhere else in the country. Right. You know, I think what it means to be American, you know, it's just sort of, you know, leave people alone. I mean, uh, in a way, you know, let, let people, you know, freedom is so, uh, like I said, in the history of the planet, most human beings have not lived free. They've been under some type of terrible kind of oppressive government. And America was different and was supposed to stay different. Mm-hmm. So again, that's why the teaching of American history and teaching about it with pride, not shame, uh, you know, of course, I'm not saying don't teach certain things, teach it all. But there's a way to teach American history that makes kids proud to be American. And unfortunately, you know, we don't do that anymore. So it makes you wonder a little bit. And you're kind of describing the core of being American as having individual liberty and not living under an oppressive government? Well, I mean, look, our founding fathers, uh, they they did believe in natural rights, right? That your rights are given to you by God. They, they believed in God. They believed in a, in a higher power, uh, that our rights are given to us by God. They were called natural rights. Our rights are not given to us by the um, government. And that's, that's, that's a big part of it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that's your, so, that, that's oh, your yeah. belief. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I you mean, I, I, I was born to be free. I mean, you know, that's our birthright, all of us. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else that you wanted to add before we? No, I think, uh, you know, no, I just, it's, it's, um, it's unfortunate. I mean, I, uh, that we are where we are, that it is, uh, I think I see a lot of people moving out of, uh, New York, Connecticut, up North, moving to freer States. Uh, I don't know what it's going to take to kind of, it took a long time to get here where we are so divided and, uh, you know, uh, we didn't, I didn't mention really the media, but that has a big part of, of, of the brainwashing, I guess, or the scaring of people. <sighs> I don't know what to say. I know what works for me. And as I said initially, and I said it like three or four times now, I'm different from a lot of people. Uh, is, is it faith? Is it, is it belief in God? I uh, don't know what it is, but there's a lot of people are lacking in, 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 in that. Mm-hmm. And I don't think people are happy. I mean, they're roaming around miserable, scared, uh, keep getting vaccines in their arms and, and it's not helping. So it's, it's a sad state of affairs. And it's very easy to control people who are constantly afraid. So, you, you know, I've had some conversations with generally younger people, people in their 20s and 30s. Um, who will say things like, um, you can't really, the government's gonna do what it's gonna do. You can't really change that. Um, There's nothing you can do about uh, the government. You just have to go along with whatever their policy is because it's just like too big to fight. Um, That's something that I, I, I think I don't hear as much from older people. Maybe there's a generational difference in the way people it's, are educated. I don't know. Do, is, is that is that um, 
a point of view that you hear younger people express? And what do you, what do you think about that? As I said, we're not teaching kids what it means to be American. We're teaching them instead to be that America is a shameful place, uh, that uh, there's just been a lot of damage done. There, uh, it is a little bit different in the South from, from what I've noticed. Uh, I, I, that's the problem. Uh, we I, it, Somehow along the line, people became too afraid to be independent, you know, food. I mean, you just, you can kill your own food if you wanted to. You can fish, you can grow your own food. You don't really, I don't know what to say, you know, people, um, yeah, it, I think it's definitely what the public schools or all schools, you know, have been teaching. And it, it does make you wonder if it was done deliberately, you know, to kind of make people less independent. So of course, yeah, the people my age, they went to schools where they learned like what I learned in history. They learned to be proud to be American. They learned good things about our founding fathers. They learned about the sacrifices they made and how they put everything on the line, you know, for freedom. And, and um, the kids nowadays, they are, they are not learning this. And uh, this is, if it's not done on purpose, then that's, that's uh, pretty odd that, that this is the result that it worked out this way. So yeah, it's too bad, but this is this is what it is. The younger generations, they are of uh, the under 35 crowd, even the under 40 crowd, it is, uh, they are exactly where uh, they are wanted to be. You know, thinking that they kind of have to go along with things, thinking that they need to be led, they need to be told what to do. I saw it coming, you know, 35 years ago, what can I tell you? 35 years ago? <laughs> yeah, I started noticing, yeah, that, that we're not teaching kids to love the country. Yeah. Especially when I started teaching. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and all these yeah, changes in the curriculum and everything. It's, I'm not saying don't teach certain things. I'm just saying there's a way to teach kids to love America and to understand what makes America special. Mm-hmm. And it is a special place for the reasons I already told you. Mm-hmm. But I mean, beyond it, they just, um, the people I've talked to seem to have this feeling that there's, that it's futile, <laughs> you know, resistance is futile. You well, cannot yeah. resist the government. Um, you, you cannot sure you have can. a role in their policies. What, what, do you say to, what, what do you say to somebody who is 30 and feels that way, that they must do whatever the government tells them because the government is simply too powerful. Again, they didn't learn American history. They didn't learn history. Our, our, the government is in America. The government is we, the people, you know, we are the government, you know, that it's supposed to be different from other countries. Uh, we are in charge. There's not a, a thin, there's not, you know, uh, 435 or 535 people in Congress. There's, you know, they're representing us. They are accountable to us. So we, the people are supposed to be in charge, but they don't know this because they did not learn this in American history. So until you start changing what the kids are taught and who's teaching them, this is what you're going to have. And I mean, I just thank God that I'm not one of these people that walks around saying, oh, you know, it's, we just have to do as we're told because it's too powerful. No, 
our country was set up so that not that people would be like a rebel like me, uh, but so that people would would have a voice instead of just being told uh, what to do. There's so many systems in place, you know, in our our constitution, which they say is, you know, outdated, but there's so many, everything was covered, but we're just not following it. And it's not outdated because our founding fathers, they studied um, the Roman empire. They studied the Ottoman empire. They studied governments from thousands of years ago before they were born. And human nature and human beings, we haven't really changed that much. So I'm not gonna hear that the constitution is outdated because it isn't. It's based on, you know, things that are never gonna change, timeless things. Yeah. So again, we have to teach kids history and, and civics. Do you see there being a movement to do that, to change the way that civics are and history are taught in the United States? No, there's not really a movement right now, no. Uh, things are very different though. Uh, I'm hoping I hear from people. I'll start to see what goes on down here, you know? <laughs> uh, seems that, I don't know. It, it's maybe it's just, everybody's just gonna, all these younger people that just do what they're told and it's gonna be sad because they're never really gonna know what it means to be free or to be American. And this was why, um, people fought and died for this country so that their posterity, uh, you know, would, maybe it's going to take hundreds of years to come full circle again. I don't know. But I'm, I'm not one of the type of people that can just ignore it like a lot of people do. Unfortunately, you know, I feel it inside. I feel it in my heart, you know. So. Mm -hmm. You know, our founding fathers told us to be skeptical of big government, that that we should question things, that we, yeah. I mean, I'm doing my part, but, you know, more needs to be done. You were saying before that you see uh, this not happening just by accident? I don't know. It seems like if either, it, I mean, it worked out to benefit some people, uh, you know, see, I don't know. You know, I'm really, I really don't know. Uh, we ended up in, in a place that's kind of the opposite of where we started. Right. Yeah. And there's obviously not enough people willing to take a tough position. So all I can tell you is after being a teacher and thinking of possible ways, I can tell you that what we teach the kids, what we listen to in the media, um, who controls the narrative, all of this is important, important. And this is, this is how it's, how we kind of got here. Mm -hmm. What caused this shift? I don't know. Was it deliberate? I don't know. You know, is there some master plan Maybe. But here we are. <laughs> yeah, and we're, when we're not free, we're certainly mm -hmm. a lot less free than we used to be. You know, I remember during COVID, I went out to eat with a couple of people and the lady said, are we allowed to, I forget what she said, are we allowed to, you know, do we have to wear our mask to the bathroom? And I was like, you know, I was just thinking, what is 
we're like have to ask permission, you know, for simple, simple things like, you know, and, and none of it made sense. It was like, if you stand on this little circle over here, you'll be okay, you know, but don't stand like, you know, within five feet, that's not good. So I think just the fact that everybody went along with all of this, when none of it really made sense. But thank God for those little circles on the ground because God, I could have caught COVID a million more times than I did, <laughs> you know? Who knows? So, but everybody went along with it, you know? And then there was the whole, um, the whole, this is probably interesting for a psychologist or somebody to study the whole, you know, making people feel guilty for not caring about other people as if I don't know all right well I really want to thank you for talking with me um I don't know is there is there any final word that you want to leave people with no I just I just I just wish that people would um question things a little bit more it not be scared we're all going to die someday anyway uh obviously we want to live healthy, happy lives, but it's not, it's, it's, it's most of it is, you know, uh, in God's hands anyway. Uh, just, uh, people, I just wish people wouldn't be so scared and that people would remember, you know, what it means to be American. And as far as vaccine mandates and everything in New York city, I, I don't know. I feel, I, I, to me, that was one of the reasons why I had to get out of there. But it, like you said, you know, luckily right now there's a place to go. If it ends up that there's no place to go that's safe, maybe I'm going to have to live off grid. They'll find us one way. If you move off grid, I hope that you will let me know beforehand so that we can talk about whatever. I have no plans of doing that anytime soon. <laughs> you do yeah. that, yeah. Yeah, you're you're still unpacking for your, right. latest, <laughs> yeah. your latest move. Yeah. So well, um, you you just you just seem like a person who is very adaptable and capable and ready to land on your feet. And I hope that move really works out for you. Thank um, you. And let you know. Uh, let me know um, down the line if you have any thoughts you want to come back and talk about what that transition was like you know after you've been there um, yeah and um, thank while. you for doing this I wanted to tell you thank you for for putting these podcasts together uh and for listening to everybody's stories and uh you know I feel sorry I, I don't necessarily feel sorry for myself I do feel sorry for people who are who are impacted in in a negative way I I, I mean it, it's all it's all perspective it's all how you look at it some people could say that I was impacted in a negative way, but uh, I always look at it as it's it's as a positive thing. I try to be positive, and uh, it's just unfortunate uh, that for somebody who really didn't want to do the shot but ended up doing it just because they were forced. So, not enough people care, you know, about those people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, if you do know people who were in that position and made that decision that's something i'm also interested in hearing about people who did decide to take the shot because they felt they needed to keep their job support their family whatever their reasons were um i think that's a perspective that 
hasn't seen much <laughs> discussion um, right. among people that people are not. I, I don't think it's very hard to know just how many people did that. I know that I've had many personal conversations with people um, who made that decision and heard about it, you know, through many more people. I know that there are a lot of people out there who did that. It's hard there was to know a lot. many. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, if you got, if you didn't get the shot to like September, October of last year, I mean, you, you were forced. Yeah. Yeah. I mean the first shot, right? Yeah. Right. So I'm interested in hearing from those people too. Okay. Yeah. All right. But thank All you right. so much for, sure. for talking with me. <laughs> no problem. All right. All right. Well, thank you for what you do.